We're in Romans chapter 13. We're down to verse 4. But in a brief review, Paul was telling us, be in submission to governmental authorities, the police and those that maintain order in society, which include judges and prisons and jails. All of this is what he's talking about. To oppose them is to oppose God's order. Now, people start, well, they're not Christian. There are no Christian nation. People think America's a Christian nation. We're not. The world considers us that. The scripture does not. There was only one Christian nation and holy nation, and that's those who are born again of the true body of Christ. But still, God requires something of these nations if he'll uphold them and don't bring judgment on them quicker. And that is to maintain order in society and to avoid anarchy, which is of the devil, open rebellion and anarchy God does not like. And so he's talking about the governmental authorities, not whether they're Christian or not. So to oppose this authority, this order, this civil order, and we'll see what they're to do. He said rulers are not to cause fear for those who do good, but it's supposed to create fear for those who are wicked and criminals and try to do disruptive things in society. God has appointed them as an avenger, we're going to see. So when people talk about we shouldn't have capital punishment, those are liberal, ignorant, false Christians. God demands government to put to death certain people. If they don't do it, then they're reaping the consequences. So he's not dealing with the nations as if they're Christian. He has certain principles. He deals the nation. He doesn't even say they're Christian. It's the authority and the government itself that God has allowed and set up. So he's saying you obey those. You don't examine the people behind it. Rome, he was speaking at this time, Paul was a wicked nation, a wicked empire, but it maintained order in its society and it did not allow open rebellion. It didn't allow murderers and thieves that put them to death often for the greater crimes or punish them for the lesser. Okay, and now we get to verse four. It is a minister of God. People don't want to see that. We know the governments are under the power of the devil to a great degree, the religious, the political systems, but they're under God. And he can regulate them and punish them as he sees fit. Remember, Paul said to the person that's not a Christian, he says, God judges them. It's none of our business. We judge those who claim to be Christians and are committing sins that they will not repent of. And Paul basically said, remove them, excommunicate them, don't have nothing to do with them. But he said, those without, you leave them alone. God will judge them when he's ready. So they're under a different system. For it, the government, the civil authorities, not the individual, it is a minister of God to you for good. It's to keep anarchy away. It's that you can live in peace and prosper to a degree and make a living and trade, and that's what God intended. Good governments intend that. But if you do what is evil, you break the law. He said, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. The sword was not for spanking. The sword was for killing. 
So for certain crimes in society, government is to put to death people. They don't do it today, and they reap the consequences. Two-thirds of all our criminals in prisons end up back in prison because there's no way that God said to rehabilitate them. It was to punish them that they'd learned not to do it again. Now, rehabilitation, that's another system, but this is not what government is truly for. Government has to uphold certain standards and not be a respecter of persons. And so that's why we have government, okay? It is a minister of God, an avenger, who brings wrath on the one who practices evil, okay? There's a difference between a Christian and even a person in the world. Sometimes God punishes them. There's a difference between punishment and vengeance. Uh, They're close together. Punishment is not only because of the evil you did. It does pay you back in justice. It wants you to learn something that you won't do it again. But vengeance that he's talking about, putting to death, there is no rehabilitation. He wants them removed. They're considered too wicked and too dangerous for society, and the government is to use the sword against them, and that's capital punishment. Okay, and so it says he's an avenger who brings wrath, vengeance, that's what wrath is too, to pay them back in kind. There's no... Speaking of punishment here as to rehabilitate, that's not the clause here, okay? Wrath on the one who practices evil. We're not talking about everybody. with Those who make a lifestyle of the crimes, as we see all the time, they're professional criminals. They're in and out jail. Some people been in and out 10, 15. They should have been put to death. They can't behave in society. See, you can have lesser punishments, but when someone continuously reveals that they are a danger to society, then the avenger should come in and just government should take care of them to keep them from the peaceful citizens and those who want to do good. Okay, yet this is good, okay? Authority and government is a minister of God. People don't like that. Didn't say they are Christians. Well, most of them are not. But it says the government, the civil authorities, the police, they are the minister of God, and God ordains it, okay? Did not say they are Christians. So people often, a lot of professing Christians, we're a Christian nation, and we will establish a Christian that is foolishness. There were principles of Judaism and Christianity, and the world will do good to abide by the Ten Commandments for the world. But it's not on them, basically. It's for the Christian. And I studied the biographies of all the early fathers, the presidents. The most moral, upright one was probably John Adams. His word meant everything. He was a very good moral person. But in his biography, he said, the thing he has the problem with the Christianity is believing that Jesus is deity. Well, that excludes him from Christianity. He doesn't believe that Christ is the Word of God. See, he's a humanitarian. But he's a very moral person, upright in society. Okay? Jefferson was a deist, but he believed that people ought to go to church and be religious because they are good for society. He didn't have no objections to their beliefs that he didn't believe, but he knew those who profess religion were usually good citizens. 
but didn't say he was a Christian. And I didn't find any of the main church fathers that you could prove were Christians by their own statements. So, well, they're Christian. No, they're the ones that the Lord says, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord. But they're lawless. They don't obey Christ. They're not led of the Spirit. Therefore, they're not Christian. But they believe in a lot of Christian principles that just don't do them, okay? Like Jesus said, why call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I tell you? Well, it's because you're not his. He don't care to be addressed that way. So the person that doesn't submit to Christ and is led of the Spirit is not a Christian. Uh, he's a Christian and name only, and that doesn't pull any weight with the Lord. So the office itself, civil government, and all of this is of God. And its main purpose is to maintain good in society, to keep evil away, that people can live and make a living and prosper in society, feed them families and take care of the poor, which good government should be doing also, okay? What is of rebellion or anarchy is satanic. Rioting and protesting violently can't be a Christian. Under the law, you were forbidden to go with the mob and you're forbidden to riot. And Christians have no business in this. That means they're of the world. If they want to deal like that, then they have to be of the world. If Christians knew more how to pray, they'd probably get along better and get more things done than their little single vote does, okay? In a democracy, the majority of people are wicked. And if the majority of people rule, how can it be Christian, okay? Common sense things. So it has a sword, okay? The sword for putting to death the wicked criminal, the murderer, the rapist, and so forth, that they esteem uh, the traitor, the, whatever the government often in society considers evil to mankind, those are the higher ones that they want to put to death. Other ones they find or beat and send them on their way. They weren't considered death penalty crimes, okay? So regardless... People argue this point, and they're the main ones doing it. Regardless of what liberal false ministers say, the sword was to put to death evil doers in society. There's no way around it. And when they say, well, just forgive them and all, that's not government's position. See, they're trying to mix what they think is a Christian with government. It basically is not done. We're under a different system. And of course, most of these liberal ministers are false ministers, and they think like the world does. So they don't understand. Thou shall not kill. They're always protesting the death penalty. But the penalty, if they could read it right, the scripture says, whosoever shall murder shall be put to death. And it's government that is to put them to death. And back in the old times, or Moses' time, when they didn't have the government doing it, the next of kin was required to take vengeance and kill them. See, they're to maintain justice, okay? So that's what the sword was for. Abusers, murderers, rapists, robbers that hurt people. Capital punishment was ordained. He said they would be dragged away from the mercy seat. It didn't matter how repentant they were, it's too late. They've done damage and God required for certain things that were not to be forgiven, that we'd be put to death, okay? So people are trying to apply Jesus' principles to the world. Certain of them don't apply. 
and if they'd rightly divide the word of truth. He's the king of this kingdom, us. He will override the kingdoms of the world, for he's the king of king and lord of lords. But the devil is the god of this world now, and he basically rules much of the political and governmental structures. And God can alter him when he sees fit. But many times he allows wicked governments to punish the people for their wickedness. So everybody thinks that God's interested. Overall, he wants good in society. But even if the government becomes corrupt, he'll bring it down. He'll send another nation against it to destroy it. He's done this all through history. Okay? So it was for vengeance and punishment. And I know it, the bleeding heart liberals don't understand, and they usually so-called ministers, which are false. It's not main purpose is not rehabilitation; it's punishment, and that's why again two thirds of them, the ones you rehabilitate, two thirds of them end up back in prison. So you don't change too much, and people will be good in prison if they can get out, if they can get parole. Isn't it amazing how good they can be? And then as soon as they get out, they start the same stuff over and over again, okay? We wouldn't have, and they didn't have, jails under Moses. They didn't keep people. They punished them, fined them, or put them to death. That speaks well. We should have the same thing going on. Why should we spend multitudes of money to take care of a person in prison for 10 years and let him out? The people suffer twice not only paying taxes, then they have to pay more taxes to take care of a criminal. And nowhere in Scripture was that implied to be done. Okay? So it's a minister of God. People need to remember this. It's an avenger, not a pacifier. Government is to avenge evil. And when you get outside that, then you're getting into a lot of false stuff. Okay? It's to repay justice on those who commit evil. It's to bring wrath on the practicing evil one in society. See there, the government's not looking into often the morals of people. It's outward harming other people openly is what it's after. Robbers, rapists, murderers. That's basically uh, what they go after. So wrath is God's anger and justice expressed on vengeance, to pay back punishment for evil, okay? As we say, punishment often is to rehabilitate. It wants the person to suffer for it, to catch their attention, and to do something about it. Now, Hebrews says when the Christian fails, it's in, uh, when he is chastened by the Lord, it's in, it's grievous, but it's to produce righteousness. How does it produce righteousness? He stops sinning as God keeps punishing him. He begins to see this consequences, so he either straightens up or he rebels and gets out of Christianity, and that's God's purpose. And then the scripture tells us, he said, it's to produce righteous living or holiness, and he says, for without that, no one will see the Lord. So he's warning the person, the Christian, if you don't submit to the punishment and take it without despising it and learn from it, you'll live. And you'll go to heaven if you live holy. But if you don't learn from it, you're not going to heaven. You're going to be under the continual wrath of God in eternity. So that was the purpose of who he was addressing then, okay? So we say in general, 
They say we have somewhere around 15,000 murders a year. Well, we should have about the same amount of execution. But we're lucky if we have four or five of them a year, and then they drag out for 10 and 14. So you might as well say it's ineffective if you don't carry through with it, okay? Government is not Christian. Christians have a different kingdom, okay? We're under a different kingdom. And dealing with each other and the world, we have certain standards. We can turn the other cheek. We must when the outsider persecutes us because of our Christianity. We're not take vengeance on it. If it's a Christian brother, we can rebuke them and throw them out of the church or the fellowship if they don't repent. We have certain principles that we can work by, okay? And if people learn scripture, they'll understand this. The Bible says, if thy brother sins against you, rebuke him. People don't do that, and that's why they harbor unforgiveness and spite. They won't do what the scripture tells. Jesus said, rebuke them. And if they're doing something openly, the Bible said, take two or three witnesses, and if they don't listen to the elders of the church or the mature Christian, it said, you excommunicate them. You have nothing to do with them. Because God doesn't have nothing to do with them. So they won't comply to the kingdom's rules. And that's for Christians. So Christian has to forgive another Christian. But if the Christian does not ask repentance, he's not required to. That's God's business to take. He can't forgive what God will not forgive. So see, people need to analyze this instead of these poor people, their family's been murdered and they've got to forgive the criminal. The Bible didn't say that. See, they don't rightly handle the word of truth. They are in this verse here. God will take care of your enemies and he will avenge you. So what does it mean? He's not forgiving them. So he's saying, you're my servant and child. You leave it alone. That's my business. You're my slave. What he does, he does to me. I'll take care of him. But for Christians, if they confess their sins, and we have to forgive them. Peter asked how many times, and he thought seven was sufficient. Well, it didn't mean they did the same crime 70 times a day. Jesus, It meant you keep forgiving as they ask, but it didn't say you couldn't reprove them, rebuke them, and there's certain things you can do. You can break fellowship. You can do many things within reason, but it has to be true repentance. See, a lot of people will have lip service, and if it's lip service, we're not required until we see the truth. If the confession follows with repentance, that's fine, okay? So we go down now to verse 5. Therefore, for this reason, it is necessary to be in subjection, subjection to the government. The policeman represents order, and the individual may or may not be a Christian. It's irrelevant. He's obeyed by the authority that he's maintaining, okay? Because not only of wrath, wrath of the government, but also for Christians' conscience sake, because God has told the Christian, you must do this. He didn't tell him to analyze how pure the government was or how Christian the government was. He didn't say that at all. He said, you obey the authorities, okay? So for this reason, he said, be in subjection. Now, I want to go back. I don't know if I got that far yet. We'll see in a minute. Yeah, let's go back for a moment before we go on. The Avenger, the government producing capital punishment, okay? Go to John, 1 John 5, 
down to verse 16. Okay? If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who have commit sin not leading to death. But he says, sins leading to death, I do not say that he should pray about this. There's two basic interpretations of this. I, I favor the first one. Sin against civil authority. So if you're a Christian and somehow you fall into sin and you do a crime that is worthy of death and they want to put you to death, we're not to pray for them to be saved. We pray that they repent and get right with God, but the government does not forgive that way. So he's basically saying you bear the punishment of what you did and you owe civil authority because God is not a respecter of persons. Doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not, you've broken the rules and you're supposed to be put to death for various crimes. Okay? But he still must die. The second was like the Corinthians, signing the body of Christ and treating the poor Christians contemptible. It says, Many of you are sick and die, that you will not be damned or judged with the world. The Lord afflicted them with diseases and hopes that they would repent. It was the Hebrews again. It's chasing of the Lord is grievous. It's grievous, not pleasant, but it's produced righteousness. So if the person repents, but he said many of you are sick and die, some of them gone too far before they repented or got right, some of them didn't get. Well, they wouldn't make it if they didn't repent. But the ones that did, they died anyway. He said that they'll not be judged with the world. That was their punishment. But those in this were not dying of a simple cold. They were grievous diseases, and it was a retribution and a punishment. And the punishment was that you repent, so I don't have to send you to hell with the world. But if there's no repentance, there can't be forgiveness, okay? So those are the two views that are most common. I favor the first one, though. If you sin against civil government, God may forgive you and will if you repent, but he still expects government to exercise its laws for everybody. Christians not be favored that way. Actually, he should be held more accountable. Okay, So the authorities, the civil government, uh, not only for the fear of punishment, if you're acting evil, he says, but your conscience will tell you you have rebelled against God. So the Christian's conscience will say you owe duty to them. And if, even as Peter said, if you suffer for the kingdom, you're to glorify the Lord. But he says, if you suffer for doing wrong, he says, you patiently bear it. That's sort of implying he's talking about civil governments. If you do something to break the law and there's certain punishments, you shouldn't be complaining. Proverbs says, why should a uh, an evil man, why should a wicked man complain when he's punished for his sins? He should expect it if he's not deceived. Okay, let me see if I can find that one. First Peter chapter 2, 20. For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults? You take it patiently. He's talking to Christians. Well, Christians didn't beat Christians. They didn't afflict them and do punishments like the government did. Their main thing was get them to repent and change or put them out. That was sort of the extent of the punishments 
that they could do. Okay? So, but when you do good and suffer for it, then you take it patiently, for this is commendable before God. So suffering for being a Christian is different. It's honorable to God. It's greater rewards. But suffering because you broke the law, you're basically to say, okay, I deserve it, and you're going to get the punishment of the government, okay? The government must punish in society anyone, no matter they were regardless of their religions or what their beliefs are, it cannot be a respecter of persons. But in corrupt governments and kings and governors, sometimes they did remove or pardon those because they were their friends or because they were bribed. Well, God will take care of that in time. But in general, the wicked of society uh, were to be punished, okay, and not rehabilitated if it was the death penalty, okay? So the government is that a minister, a minister to avenge evil. Again, it doesn't say to rehabilitate. It's to punish evildoers in society. And it is to reward the righteous in society, the good people. It gives them, it can give them tax breaks. It can give them privileges. It can do what it wants to do for those who are helping society and doing good in society. Then the government should recognize that also. For because of this, okay, your conscience, as a Christian, you must obey them. And because uh, their wrath will be exercised against you if you don't. So because of this, you pay taxes. Okay, oh, there's another one people argue against. For rulers are servants of God. Okay, the rulers have been called ministers of God and servants of God. Isn't that interesting? But it never said they're Christians. Many of them are not. Okay, we're called servants of God and we're ministers of God. So he's making a distinction, devoting themselves to this thing. What? Policing society, maintaining order, keeping anarchy, rebellion and crimes from open society. That was the purpose. Okay, so they must be upheld. Society must be protected. But to do that, you have to pay people to do it. Government uh, has to have the money and finances. And so even under Rome and under uh, other governments, people were taxed and some form of tax to pay for this. It has to be maintained. Judges, prisons, jails, police officers, and so forth. That's what we're talking about. So government is to avenge the evildoer as God commands. But he must be paid, okay? He's not expected to. See, if you let the individual, there were times in Israel said everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Well, when that happens, then you have anarchy. Then you have families killing families and doing as they please to get ahead. Well, they're evildoers, and God punished them for it under Israel. He punished them. See, they're not to do what's right in their own eyes. They're to obey the authorities. And people who don't, there's going to be, if not in this life, there's going to be eternal consequences for rebelling against God. Okay, so in verse 7, render to all what is due to them. Tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Give him money and respect to them. Like to say, you uh, you don't see no place where it says you ought to argue and fuss 
uh, with a policeman. Well, a person's a fool that does argue and debates with him while he's got a gun. You know, you argue and you debate when you stand before the judge. You're given the privilege then to defend yourself. But when you want to fight a policeman, you're asking for God's wrath to Cabano, okay? Doesn't matter, like I say, whether it's wrong or right. You, When you stand before the judge, you tell him. You'll be given your time to speak. So resisting arrest and doing all those things is against God's principles, okay? He doesn't want it. So in general, we're not talking about the exceptions. They are against the government, against evildoers, and they are for the do-gooders, okay? Because they help society and make things run more smoothly. Even Paul said, pray that you'll have peace with the government, that they'll have peace. Why? Because the gospel and Christianity gets along better when there's peace in society. If you've got turmoil and war, other things are taking people's minds and they're less likely to listen. But during times of peace and stuff, sometimes they'll listen to another view. But God said he'd rather, you know, have peace in a society. That's what he's after. The body of Christ, the worst punishment they could do was to expel or excommunicate it. We see no Christian principle of Paul or anybody beating on anybody or torturing them or confiscating their monies or like the Roman church and the the Protestants during Luther's time. They were corrupt. They claimed to be Christians. They were false. They were all false Christianity. And they were putting each other to death and killing each other. There was no place in true Christianity for that to be carried on. Government was to take care of these things. And that's what happens when Christianity tries to take over the government of the world. Satan wins because he's the God of this world. And much of that's under his power. And it's been delegated to him. And God's allowed it. Again, to punish certain wicked people, he sends the wicked nations. You don't expect Christians to go and do all of this. We're supposed to be under a different kingdom, okay? So government is acting as the law did, uh, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, see? Now Jesus said when he quoted that, he said go further, but he's talking about for the Christian and the true follower of Judy, that you can turn to the other cheek, that you can let government avenge you and leave it alone. But back then, government and the individual would exact that. But he still permits government to exact wrath on evildoers, okay? And not wishing individuals. So there is no avenger of the blood or family members doing this. Under the law, it was permitted. Under Christianity, he says, give place to wrath. Let God take care of it. But people, they feel God don't move fast enough. They don't get away with anything. Even if they get away with this life, every idle word that a wicked person does, he'll be punished in eternity for him. So he's not getting away with anything. Okay. He's storing up wrath the longer he goes without repenting. That's what Paul warned the Jews. Your stubborn, willful heart, don't you know you're storing up wrath? That God's patience with you is wishing you to repent and turn to the Lord, and you're using this grace as a means to keep doing evil. So he said, what do you think is going to happen to you? Uh-huh. 
So we see Christians are under a different principle, must obey these that are under governmental authority. Okay? They are not to take personal vengeance, and at times they have to suffer for the faith, and even corrupt governments will punish them. And that's why Peter said, and you bear it, God will give you the wisdom. He said, you don't have to plan what you're going to say. He was talking about when certain government authorities outlawed Christianity and came against it in the early church. He just said, don't argue. God will give you wisdom and show them what's what, but they'll still punish you. But that's a part of suffering for the kingdom of Christ and for Christ. Okay, verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. Now, here he's not basically talking about owing somebody money. This is not the context. There's other places about borrowing and lending. and It's a wicked person, Proverbs says, that borrows and doesn't pay it back. So he's, re, he's being demonic. He's returning evil for good. So people that borrow and get in debt, on their credit cards, and they know they're not going to pay it back or they'll go bankrupt. They're evil people, okay? Because God says, live within your means. Learn to be content. So if you're not content, that's what happens. You're greedy and covetousness. And Paul said, you're an idolater. And he said, then you know no idolater is going to make it to heaven. So when people do this without jobs and without knowing that money's coming in, then they're corrupt and covetous, okay? But in general, owe nothing to anyone. Go back to verse 7. The taxes, the government, the honor, the customs, that's who you don't owe. You make sure that you comply and you do what the governments require you to do in those things, okay? But what you do owe them, he's saying, he's putting it in a different context, but you do owe is to love one another. Well, but it's the principle of God. And we get into this, the two greatest commandments summed up all the commandments. We'll get into that. Love the Lord thy God with all thy spirit, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, all the law and the prophets hang on that. They cover all, they, all of them are right under that, okay? So love is benevolence, goodwill to people, not harming people when it's talked about your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Anybody near you? Anybody's not your immediate family, and it can include them. It doesn't mean the person lives next door to you. The neighbor back then meant people in society, where you work and you go to the market, everybody around you, that's who your neighbor is, okay? So he's saying, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law, okay? So as we've said, Galatians, we want to be careful here, and the love and goodwill and benevolence to all. Now, Paul does say, and see, we can distinguish, we're not to be a respecter of persons in general, but if we honor those who God honors and tells us to give double honor, we're not being a respecter of persons. He's talking about the general selfish nature of man. He sees somebody that's got money or power and noble, so he shows him honor or someone he thinks will get him ahead. All this is selfish. And the scripture says God isn't that way. God will honor those who honor him, and he'll despise and dishonor those who don't. So initially, he respects everyone until they show him they don't earn respect because of their evil. And so we go into a different principle. 
See, people just grab a scripture, one scripture, and they run with it, and it's out of time. You know, I get so sick of hearing the liberal ministers at the execution, thou shall not kill. I never see them carrying a sign that says, thou shall not murder, and whomsoever shall murder shall be put to death. You don't see them doing that one, do you? Okay. Well, they say, well, that's not Christian. Well, why are you quoting thou shall not kill? It wasn't a Christian, it was on a Judaism. So you see how two-faced they are. They twist scripture, as Peter said, to their own destruction, as they do all scripture. So that's what wicked people do, and those who don't want to know the truth, they're given over to lying spirits. Galatians, let's see if I can find it. Okay, Galatians 6.10 says, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So the Christian can be a respecter here because he's his brother and he's a child of God, and we have more duty to him than the world. If we're placed in a situation of helping one or the other, he said, especially the Christian. But he also says, do good. If you can, do good to everybody. But a person doing that is not being a respecter of persons. They're doing what God told them to do. Because okay? we have duty. If you're married and have children, you have certain duties to your family that you took upon you. And the same, you become a Christian, you have certain obligations to the body of Christ that you don't have to the world. Okay? So we have to understand and rightly divide the Word of God. Let's take a break here.